Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would speak to us today. We would hear your word, God, and what you have to say. No more, no less. That I wouldn't get in the way. That I would be your instrument and your tool. God, make our hearts receptive, God. Uh, Our minds responsive. God, our lives surrendered. Do what you want in this place. Let your word be proclaimed. And take root. That the flag of your word would be staked into our hearts today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. It's good to be back. I was uh, I was flying to Texas when uh, when you, when you were having service last week, and uh, and and I went to a conference uh, conference I've gone to uh, numerous times, um, and it was it was in Houston. Flew into Dallas and and spent a couple days. Took Nathan with me. Let him showed him a couple of the Bible colleges that I went to there in Dallas. Then we drove over to Houston, the worst city in America. And uh, yeah, how are you offended? You're not from Houston. <laughs> Anybody here from Houston? I didn't think so because you're smart. You're all very smart people. Um, I love Texas. I love Dallas. Houston. Worst place on earth. But, uh, uh, but uh, there's reasons. I, I can't get into it now. God's got to work it out of my heart. But, uh, um, but Texas is a great state. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's, and I, God just filled me up. But it's always fun for me to go back to Dallas. It's where I went to Bible college. It's where I met my wife. It's where God set me on a path. I remember sitting as a student, a speaker saying, and this is how I planted churches, and thinking to myself, that's stupid. What a dumb idea. There's plenty of churches. God changed me. And, uh, but there's a lot of things God changed and did in me in that season of life. It was just an awesome season of life where you're surrendered to God. You're hearing from him. You're, you're just in his presence every day. They do, they do worship at CFNI uh, every morning at 8 o'clock. And, uh, and I took Nathan, Nathan and I went, and man, that presence of God is still there. It's still powerful. And I would say, like, sound-wise, the worship is quite a bit better. They didn't do one Daryl Evans song, which I was just, uh, I was so upset. And some of you, if you've not been a Christian for more than 20 years, you're like, who's that? Is that a country artist? No. Uh, worship from way back. But it was, it was a powerful time of worship. And, uh, and but it's, it's those moments you kind of go back to the well, you know? You go back to the place where God did something. And it shifted you and changed your life. Information that changed you. Moments that changed you. One of the things that really changed me at Steve and I. So in my second year, I had lost hope that Christ for the Nations would be Brides for the Nations for me. And uh, I was on my way out. And, and I had friends... But one of those friends was, was, was my wife now, Angela, and she, she was kind of interested in me. But typical man, I had no clue, right? I have no radar for that at all. Uh, Any time in history that a woman was interested in me, I never, ever knew. 
I still don't know. There's a lot of days I'm like, do you still want to? She's like, yeah, no, I do. Okay, good, because I don't know. I still don't know, okay? I need direct, very clear, straight information. And so I remember, I remember she was working with a friend of mine. His name was Shad. And uh, she didn't know Shad was a friend of mine. And Shad was, uh, was Shad married at the time? Maybe he was just engaged. But, but uh, she was talking with him, and she goes, well, and he was, he was on student council. Basically, he's just trying to hawk tickets to a Valentine's banquet. And, and, but he's, he's pressing her to get her to buy something. And she's like, well, there's one guy I might want to get to know. And uh, as a friend, that's what she says, but... We'll get there. So anyway, so anyway, she, uh, she tells him, and he's like, I know him. Well, a few days later, sometime in that time period, I'm, I'm walking down the hall, and I work most evenings when I was there, and my friend Shad's trying to get me to buy some tickets as Valentine's. He's like, hey, man, you got to buy tickets. And, uh, and I'm like, man, I, I got to work. I got, you know, and, and uh, I can't. He's like, come on, man, you got to go. I can't do it, man. Now, at this point, it's in between classes, but the halls are empty. Class is about to start. And I'm walking to class, and I'm in that hallway that, that, that we were in, Nathan, uh, right outside the, 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 the auditorium. And I'm in that, and my friend Shad says to me, and I'm walking, and he says, I know somebody who wants to go with you. And I freeze. I turn around, and I said, well, you got to tell me who. And he's like, oh, I can't do that. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I walked up to Shad, and I said, Shad, you got to tell me who. And he said, I can't do it. Now, Shad, I don't know if you know, but I come from the land of obese leprechauns, so I'm low to the ground, okay? He is taller than me. He's like 6'1". He said, I can't do it. I grab Shad by both, hand, uh, by both things on the shirt. I pull him down to God's level. And I say, hey, who is it? And he says, hey, do you know Angela Hanley? I said, well, yes, I do. <laughs> Somebody's interested in the killer bee. <laughs> so, yes, I said that out loud. <laughs> And, uh, and that began, now we did not go to that banquet, but that knowledge changed my life. <laughs> information can change your life, can't it? The right information. That's Luke's story. Go to Luke chapter 1. Luke is a doctor. Now one of the problems we do today is we're very elitist about our current times. And we think if you're a doctor then, well, they're stupid. They didn't know. We're doctors now. We know all the things. Right. Because our doctors get it all right, don't they? Yeah, no. Okay. So, right? The vaccine will save everybody. Whoops. Anyway. Okay. So, so, so Luke is a doctor. And, and if you Go over his works, you go over his reading, you talk, you, you, you kind of tear apart uh, what he did and, and, and how we investigated the gospel and what came out of it, you'll see it's one of the most joy-filled and yet technically accurate stories about the life of Jesus. And it starts with this. He says, many people have set out to write accounts of the events that have been fulfilled among us. 
They use eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. Luke is a Jewish man, but this is not Luke, a disciple of Jesus. He did not follow Jesus through his ministry. He found, about, uh, he found out about Jesus after the fact. And then he did an investigation. And a very technical one. And eyewitness reports. And he tore it apart. He was a man based fact and numbers. He was a doctor of a well esteemed, understood, educated. What's funny is... We diminish stories about the gospel when it comes to people like this, but we all believe everything about Caesar and Rome. This is more accurate to history. There are more eyewitness accounts and more provable, provable and discovered archaeology than there is that Caesar even existed. And Luke becomes a different man from this story. So what's that? one of the first things he says? I chose to investigate it. The investigation. Luke went out to say there's this rumor circulating and it's like all over the place. People are being changed. It's, their lives are being transformed. This investigation. He investigated who is Jesus. Who is he? Is the stuff they're saying about this guy true? Is this legit? The first question you have to ask yourself as a believer, as somebody wanting to know Jesus, is who is Jesus? A lot of people are like, what is your church stance on LGBTQ plus IA dot 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 infinity? What do you guys do when it comes to the offering? By the way, I'm just saying this now. I said it to Michelle beforehand. We don't take it. We have boxes and online giving. Do not push the boxes to the side, especially set up team. I'm talking to you. Because we don't, if I push the plate in front of you, you got to walk past the box. That's it. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying it once. I'm never But don't push it to the side. Okay? All right. Moving on. So we don't do that. Uh, but, but, but you have to investigate. You had to look into the story. You had to find out what was going on. Who is he? Some people want to know, what do you do about money? What do you believe about this? What's interesting is they investigate us. What do you guys think about marriage? What's your position on fill in whatever political belief is? What do you guys do about masks and vaccines? What do you believe about the current administration, the past, the next seven administrations? Wrong question. It's the wrong question. It's starting with me. If you're here today seeking, I'm telling you that God is coming after you. It's not the other way around. Don't ask the question, who is Thrive or who is Brian? Ask the question, who is Jesus? Who is he? Is this legit? Is this real? Who is the church? That's not a bad question. What do you believe about all of these different topics? Those aren't bad questions. But it's not the starting place. 
It's coming in on the race about lap three or four. You don't start there. You start with who is Jesus. That's where Luke starts. I want to know, is this guy who he said he is? Did he, did he really live a life like this? Did he really die on a cross? Did he really rise? Do you know every historian worth salt, <clears throat> including atheist historians, believe that Jesus died on a cross and on the third day, somehow that tomb was empty. Every historian believes that. And if you find a historian who doesn't, stop reading them because they're not a historian. They're an agenda maker. Every historian sees that Jesus died on a cross and on the third day was gone and there are over 500 witnesses to a resurrection. 500, the Bible says. If you shot somebody and 500 people watched you do it, you don't get away with it. You can't be like, nuh-uh. No, they just had the wrong angle. That wasn't my gun. 500 people say you did. Well, you don't have it on video. I have 500 people. It's better than video. 500 people say they saw the resurrected Jesus. And Luke interviewed many of them. And in that moment, something begins to happen in his life. See, Luke went into this, I believe, not I believe, the Bible makes it clear. He went into this with an open heart. Is this real? Is this legit? Is Jesus who they say he is? Did this happen? Here's the thing. If you answer the question, who is Jesus, and then you find out he is the son of God, lived a sinless life, died, and then rose from the grave and empowered the church to go be that and change the world, now the game has changed. Because now every question you ask about life has to be answered with that knowledge. Let me tell you, a few weeks later, we did not go to the Valentine's banquet, but I was thinking I would like for her to get to know me, be all right. And I get into a car accident with my 86 Firebird. I loved that car. It was such a good car. Our parents helped me. We found it. It had like a dent in one side. And they helped me fix it up, brought it back, had it for six months. That and then an accident, and then like, oh. See, because now I love Dallas, but has there anybody here ever driven in Dallas? I swear everybody in that city drinks right before they drive. They are the worst drivers. I've driven in L.A., New York, the Virgin Islands, Fiji. Dallas is the worst drivers on the planet. There are, I kid you not, couches in the middle of the interstate. It's as if somebody set it up, sat down, and was like, let's just see what happens. <laughs> just, just like, I was going to go to a movie, but let's do this instead. I, I am not even joking. And, and one, the accident happened because somebody's bumper was sitting in the middle lane of the highway just sitting there. 
People were slamming on the brakes, swerving. And I was doing it as a favor to my friend Chris Burkle, who better be watching and should be tithing to our church because my life, I almost died because of trying to pick up your dry cleaning. And so, and so, so I got in the accident and all that stuff. Here's, here's the best part. The cops at the scene were sitting on the side of the road. And that after the accident, they said to me, yeah, we saw that sitting there. We knew something bad was going to happen. So not only are there bad drivers, the police endorse it. The police are like, I think they set it up. I got set up. Well, within a few days of that, that morning, it was a Friday morning. It was the day after my accident. And I needed a ride to get my check. I was like, I'm probably not going to be able to get back and forth to work because no one's going to be able to take me there and back. I worked about 25 minutes away. But... Like, I, should, I need at least to get my check. And, and that morning, I had a lot of friends this evening. I was cool. I was popular. I didn't know that then, but I was. Right? I was nobody in high school. In college, for two years, I was cool. Well, maybe for one of two years, I was cool. And, and, uh, and I didn't know that until years later. Somebody told me. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I asked my friend, four friends in a row. I went up the first friend. And friends were like, hey, man, I heard about your accident. I'm so sorry, so glad you're okay. If you need anything, hey, I need a ride today. Man, today's like the worst day. So any day but today. Second person, hey, man, oh, that's rough. Can I get a ride? Oh, man, I, today I can't. Today I can't. Four people in a row. Nope. To be fair, like my friends were, they were good friends. They weren't like bad friends. They would give me a ride. Just four in a row, just couldn't. Again, I'm a slow learner and I need direct information. (laughs) And comes up to me, taps me on the shoulder, says, after the fourth friend literally just denies me, says, hey, if you need a ride somewhere or something... Let me know. You know what my response was? No, I'm good, thanks. (laughs) I'm slow. Okay? She got about 10 feet from me, and I'm pretty sure an angel of the Lord was able to speak to my brain because I swear I heard in my head, are you stupid? Say yes! I was stupid. And I was like, wait! Can you give me a ride? She said yes. And then it all began, Right? One piece of information. I was slow. It was a process. I'm not quick. But I will get there. That piece of information began to shift our story. Piece of information in Luke's life begins to shift. And he begins hearing story after story. Now, I I saw this Jesus. I walked with him. I watched him put his hands on a blind man. and And then he saw. I was there, hung him on that tree. I, I watched as he's hung there in disgrace. And three days later, we saw him just appear in the room and talk to us. 
I saw Peter deny him three times. And then days later, Jesus sits with him at a fire and then restores his life back and says, Peter, do you love me? Imagine sitting, hearing these accounts over and over and over. That's what the information he hears. And what's happening is as he's hearing this information, Jesus is real. He changed me. He touched me. He, he, he moved in my life. showed up. He, he saved me. He redeemed me. He forgave me. They were going to kill me with stones because of adultery. And he said, hey, no, 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 no. That is not what the law is for. He stepped in. I watched him humiliate Pharisees who knew the law backwards and forwards, could recite the Old Testament by heart. And he would confound their wisdom. As Luke's hearing this information, he's being changed. He's being broken down. This is the Son of God. Because when you get the information of who Jesus is, when you really investigate with an open heart, show me who you are, show me what you do, show me what you want. After the investigation, if you're open and honest, see there are some, they say, I investigate, I've read. Some people read the Bible, but they don't let the Bible read them. Some people, they don't set out to find out who Jesus is. They set out to disprove Jesus. They never do. They've just shut off their heart. I told you about my friend who I loved, who was a great believer and an atheist, and then walked, uh, uh, he was a great believer and then became an atheist, walked away from Jesus. How did that happen? And when I confront him on these questions about how do you disprove this? How do you deny the resurrection like this? How do you, what he did in your life, these prophecies, these things that happened, these, and, and his response at the end of the day was, well, I just don't believe it anymore. So at that point, you got to be honest. You didn't investigate anything. You denied the investigation in order to confirm your own heart change against him. But as Luke hears this information and his heart is open, saying, I want to know, then comes a transformation. He moves in his life from digging deep into something opening up, something being changed in him. He can't stay the same. And how do we know? Because he wrote a whole book about it. He wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts. He, he went on mission trips with Paul many times as his doctor. Why would he do that? Why would he go from prominence and a name and a career to becoming an evangelist? Why would you do that? Because if, with the information of who Jesus is, it changes you. You are transformed. When you accept Jesus into your heart, when you open up your life to this investigation and you find out who he is, you move from dead to alive. Sometimes it's a process, sometimes it's a moment. But he changes you. 
See, if you've met Jesus and nothing, you felt like nothing really happened, you did not meet him. You haven't really encountered him. Because when you encounter the one true living God who stepped into humanity, lived a perfect sinless life, died on the cross for us, three days later rose again and then said, now I want you to do the same. If you really meet him, you can't be anything but a part of it. He becomes transformed. He becomes, Luke becomes the calling. Luke was still a doctor, but that's no longer who he was. Luke was now, who he was, was a disciple, an evangelist, a follower of Jesus. How many of us were asked, so what do you do? It's like the first thing we ask people. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not putting it down. But when people ask me that, they're always like, that is not the answer I was expecting. (laughs) What do you do? I'm a pastor. This is going to be a long plane ride. (laughs) That's what they're thinking, right? (laughs) I fled home, yeah. This is a sweet, sweet Indian family, and they're flying up here from Texas for uh, uh, an engagement. And uh, the one young man, he, he, got, he had to use the bathroom. And they were being kind of restrictive because COVID, I don't know. Um, and uh, uh, I go on a rant there, but I'm not going to. So um, I'm trying really hard not to. It was just funny. The flight, the flight there was fine. Coming back was weird. But there was, every seat was filled on the single one. And this you could tell he'd never been on a flight because when he had to go to the bathroom, he got up and he went over there and he just starts grabbing doors because he's trying to go to the bathroom. And this is like storage and then this is like, that's just a closet. Like, where do I go? And they're, on this side, the family, the, the, the grandma's there. She's, and she's bigger and she can't get around very well. But nobody's getting out of that aisle either, you know. So, so, and, and so they don't know what to do. And I'm like, I, I got it. I get up and I just show him like this is where the bathroom is. And, oh, you know. Oh, okay. The thing that says lavatory. Yeah, that's what that means. And so he goes in there and, and he does his thing. And they're just so appreciative, you know. But that 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 moment there of and then they start talking. And I just tell them what I do. I don't get a chance, but what happens when you share the information? And it begins to change you or change them. Nobody else on that plane wanted to help this young man, including the stewardess, uh, uh, steward, steward and stewardesses. Didn't, didn't want to help him just go to the bathroom. I didn't help him in the bathroom. I just let him to the door. <laughs> Why? Because, because something happens. Just passion rises up. We get changed. Luke becomes changed and he says... I gotta be all about this. Some of you know, like when you became a new believer, you think think about a new believer, and you're like, they're just crazy spiritual, their family's saying they're in a cult and all this stuff, and why? It's not because they are, because they're crazy, but they've been changed, they've been transformed, they meant their life has got meaning now and purpose, and they know why they're here, and that God loves them, and that He saved them, and that everything is different. There's joy 
peace now. There's hope. There's life. Even when it looks like there isn't, there is because we've got him. The book of Luke is considered the most joyful of all the gospels because Luke was transformed. He's not like the other, uh, other gospels. They were disciples. Luke wasn't. Luke He didn't watch Jesus' ministry. He was changed by it, by other people's stories. The cool thing, like some of us, like, man, that would have been the best being one of his stories. Here's the thing, maybe, but Jesus didn't return for his church then, so we're only getting better till the end. He changes his church more and more over time. A transformed life is just as impactful as watching Jesus' life because that is Jesus' life moving in yours. Let him transform you. Let him change you. Get a little weird for a while. You balance out. Relax, okay? You'll figure out all. I can take a vacation day sometime on a Sunday. Not a thrive, but we're away. Okay? So you can be changed. You can be, it does, it changes you. When you encounter his presence, you're not the same. You get to the place where like, I'll give anything financially. I don't care. You need my time, God? Here, here's my time. You need my talents? Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll serve. I'll I'll greet. I'll be on the worship team. I'll I'll help with set up. Whatever. Because it's not about Thrive or Brian. It's about Jesus. He changed me. He transformed my life. How many of you can say you became the calling? You became the follower. I'm with you. I'm with you the whole, I'm with you. Hold my hand, don't leave me. How many of us are that still in awe? Sometimes with the Christian life, the bummer about it, we find that Jesus did all this stuff, but we're still in this world, and it still buffets against us, and it still hurts us, and we still let each other down. And we still fall. And we think, well, I thought he was going to change everything. The thing is, he did. And process. But I would say, constantly get back to the place where are you in awe and in love and wrecked, not by miracles, but by the miracle worker. Miracles are awesome. But I want the one who does it even more than what he'll do. And if I want that, then we're going to see miracles. We will, if I want him in his heart. Some of you, like, you're so afraid to give financially. You're so afraid of it. And what I would tell you is, Look, God doesn't need your money. You need God to have your heart, though. And if you're holding on to this arena of your heart, you're holding back what God can do in your life. Does God have all of you? Are you still in awe and wonder? Are you still like, man, you are, you are the God 
of Isaac and Jacob. You're the God who's in the Holy of Holies where priests would drop dead if they weren't right before you. You're that God. You saved me from death and hell and you're doing it and you've been doing it for 2,000 years and you're still doing it. I said to the team that we prayed beforehand, you know, one thing that's amazing about Sunday, and we take so casually and so lightly and so like it's no big deal, we join 2,000 years of saints across the globe weekly to honor the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, come into his presence to declare his word and to go out empowered. It's not a small thing. It's gigantic. This is God's plan. It's not an idea I had one day because I didn't like working for somebody else. That was easier. <laughs> but Luke was transformed. It said, I, this Jesus, this information, it, it's undeniable. What am I going to do with it? Here's the thing. As he opened up his heart, he didn't do anything with it. That information did it to him. See, you're sitting here today thinking, I'm a good churchgoer. I'm seeking God. <laughs> That's not altogether bad, but you got it backwards. He is seeking you. God isn't lost. <laughs> God isn't you know, we sing, I found Jesus, and there's nothing wrong with that statement. It's just a saying. <laughs> he found us. We're the sheep that are lost. The shepherd's found. And then, and then it changed him so much, changed Luke so much, he had to tell other people. He had to record it. He had to send it to, to Romans who hated Christians. They despised them. Tell them. Listen, see, because when God, when this information comes to you, this revelation, then you're transformed. And then finally you have to transmit it. There's a transmission that begins to happen in your life. I need you to hear about this. If you've never led anybody to Christ, number one, if you true disciple, you, that should be your life mission. But number two, if you're like, oh, I don't care, that's not a big deal to me, I would question the transformation you've had. Because if you're not interested in other people knowing, you don't really know what's happened to you. Ray Comfort uses this analogy. If you're on a plane and somebody comes to you and says, hey, I'm going to make your flight way better. If you just pray this prayer with me, I'm going to give you this backpack. You put it on, wear this, uh, say this prayer, your flight's going to be more comfortable. You're going to have a great time. Everybody's going to like you. You're going to get more snacks and not even ask. They're going to let you be in first class. You're going to say, sure, absolutely. And then I leave and you're wearing the backpack on the flight, and what's going to happen after a little bit? You're not more comfortable. You're less comfortable. Nobody, everybody around you, what is this dude doing? 
Put that in the under seat before you. What are you doing? What is the matter with you? What's your problem? Why do you do that? You're not more comfortable. You're not happier. Your flight better. And eventually you might just take it off. But if I came back to the same person, I said, hey, this backpack, this plane's going down. I know for a fact. Put this on. It'll save your life. And when it all goes down, you're going to be okay. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be scary. But it's also going to save you. You don't care what anybody does. I'm not taking this thing off. I don't care what. Saved me. This has changed me. This has transformed me. You know what else I do? I'd say, give me some more. Let me help. Let me see if I can get some more people to take this backpack. That's what Jesus does for us. He transforms us. He saves. He rescues us. And you have to share it. I would love to see you in this place this Easter. I would love to see it over 200 people pushing into that side of the gym with people hearing the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we got them here, not because we want to have a big Sunday or a big Easter, but because we want to have a big day where hell loses. That happened to Lee Strobel. Some of you are very familiar with him. He wrote a book, The Case for Christ, and many others, The Case for a Creator. He was the legal analyst and writer for the Chicago Tribune. This happened in his life. Let's take a look at this. I was actually an atheist from my teenage years. Uh, I concluded that the idea of an all-loving, all-powerful, all-knowing God of the universe, creator of all, was just absurd and not worth my time to check out. And so I lived that way as an atheist for much of my life, um, really as a hedonist, um, pursuing pleasure, because I concluded that that was the most logical way to live life if God did not exist. And um, got married, my wife was agnostic, and one day she met a woman in our condominium building who was a Christian, who talked about Jesus to her. My wife was interested, she'd never been told this stuff before. So she asked questions, and and went to church with her and then came up to me many months later and said, Lee, I made a big decision. I've become a Christian. I don't oh, know. This is the last thing I need. I mean, I, as an atheist, this is not what I signed up for. And I actually was going to leave and just walk out. Uh, but I stuck around and, and I saw positive changes in her character and values and the way she related to me and the children. It was winsome and attractive. So one day she uh, was getting ready to go to church and I was sleeping off a hangover and she said, hey, why don't you come to church with me today? And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go. I could draw this cult that she's involved in, you know. So she takes me to a church and the pastor gets up and really did a talk called Basic Christianity that knocked down a lot of my misconceptions about the Christian faith. And I walked out that day saying, you know what, I'm still an atheist. He didn't convince me that God exists. But number two, I realized if this stuff is true, this has huge implications for my life. So I decided to take my legal training and my journalism training and investigate if there was any credibility to Christianity. And a lot of that focused on the resurrection. Uh, did Jesus claim to be the Son of God? And then did he back up that claim by returning from the dead? 
So I spent a lot of my effort in that area, but I also looked at scientific evidence. How do we know that a creator um, exists and is responsible for the universe as we know it? And looking at cosmology and physics and biochemistry and genetics and human consciousness, those are all areas that to me pointed powerfully and persuasively toward a creator who looks amazingly like the God of the Bible. So finally, after amassing all of this data, the evidence for a creator and for Jesus having risen from the dead, uh, on November the 8th of 1981, I sort of sat down with a yellow legal pad and kind of summarized the evidence and realized that in light of the avalanche of evidence that points so powerfully toward the truth of Christianity, it would have taken more faith to maintain my atheism than to become a Christian. And that's when I realized that it was true, that Jesus was who he claimed to be. And I read John 1, 12, that says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. So I realized that just believing this wasn't enough. I had to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I had to receive this free gift of forgiveness and eternal life. And when I would do that, then I would become a child of God. And so I prayed and repented of my sin, confessed it, and uh, turned from that, received this free gift of forgiveness, and um, became a child of God. And my, and my life was transformed over time. Uh, God changed my values, my character, my desires, my, uh, my relationships, my marriage, my parenting. I mean, all these things over time will change for the good. If you enjoyed this video, consider subscribing. Some of us come to church or even come to Jesus because we want him to do something for us. And they're not always bad motives. It's because we're hurting other people and we don't want it anymore. We're angry and we don't want to be angry. We're selfish and we don't want to be selfish. We're struggling and we don't want to struggle. But it's still about us. What if I told you your story it wasn't meant to be your story? What if I told you church wasn't about meeting your needs? That this whole thing, all of humanity, all of history, all of it is about Jesus. Your life is meant to be about his life. Somebody needs to hear this today, and I think this is as much for me, if not for anybody else. And I think it's from the Holy Spirit. You keep asking me to change you, and I keep asking you to get to know me. Jesus' words to you on that. You keep asking me for something, and I keep asking you for you. never ever fix the thing you wanted them to fix but he has your heart is that enough he probably will he's really good he's a good father he gives good gifts to his children there's somebody in here who's never said yes to Jesus in their heart before and what I would say to you is he stood before the world naked on a cross 
unashamed for you. Could you do the same for him and say, Lord, I want to follow you. Come into my heart. If that's you today and you're saying, I'm unashamed, I want to follow you. Stand up right where you are. Yes. I'll go. Come in. I'm not afraid. I'd also ask your everything. Some of you have portioned him out in your life. He is a part of your life. He's not your life. spouse drives you crazy when you have a revelation of Jesus some of that stupid garbage just begins to drift away look what he did for me look who he is when you're under crushing debt and you see who he is and what he can do you just like here take it I trust you Some of you, it's been a practice you kind of believe. But today you're feeling a lot like Luke, like I believed, but I didn't know. And if that's you today, the Holy Spirit's moving on. It's not me, it's not good speaking or music. It is Jesus. And He's calling your name. Say, make me, don't make me some things, don't make me most things everything thank you so much for spending some time with us we hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for god visit us online anytime at encounterthrive.com and reach out with questions prayer requests or comments we hope to see you for our in-person services in lockport illinois sundays at 10 Oh